You may be seated. We've been talking about the body of Christ discovering God. And we've been talking about when Jesus was on this earth, he met everyday people. And as they encountered Jesus, they learned who God was. They learned God's character. They learned what God would do. He is the same. He doesn't respect anybody more than anybody else. His heart, his set, is his character is set, and it is there to bless you, to equip you, to correct you. It is important how you see God. It is important we recognize our perspective of God is so vital to move into a realm of our life, to move into a realm of our life to where God has placed us. In many instances, because we have a wrong perspective and concept of God, we don't move into those places. Fear rules. Shame rules. You see, if you see God as an angry, harsh, judgmental father, then you won't go to him when you fall or make mistakes. You will, you will push people aside. You will, you will become that loner, but you'll, you'll have that personality and you'll, you'll run for an hour and just be great when you go out to lunch or you go to church or whatever. But God really wants a 24-7 son or a daughter. He wants someone who really understands who, his, who their father is and to be able to walk in an anointing and a power and a giftedness that he's given you. See, we don't go to him. And that's not how Father God is. He's not mean. He's not cruel. He is exactly like Jesus was when Jesus was on this earth. So, our thoughts must be immersed in the character and the nature of God. Turn to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to learn about persistent faith. Jesus encounters, I call her the hem woman. The hem woman. In Mark 5, verse 25, let's read the story. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, just let that sink in. For 12 years, she was sick and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent a lot of money. She had suffered many different things that she did because she trusted in the doctor, and we should trust in doctors today. Laughter doeth good like medicine. Church, we're not against doctors but we need to know who our God is. She had spent all that she had and was no better. She'd done everything that she knew to do, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. We know from the other gospels, synoptic gospels, book of John, as we read all of them, that it says different words, and it says that, that she touched the hem of his garment. Verse 28, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, 
turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, notice, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Wow. This woman had been sick for 12 years. And she encountered Jesus. So let's, let's learn what the hem woman got from her encounter with Jesus. And by the way, Jesus was God. When encountering Jesus, she had to battle fear. The Bible tells us she came in from behind in the midst of the crowd and touched Jesus from behind him. You see, because the disease she had was a very embarrassing disease, a humiliating disease, and so she lived with shame. In our culture, we wouldn't see this as humiliating, but in the culture of the day, it was. In the Greek, it basically states the menstrual flow of blood. But unfortunately, in this day, in the culture of the day, she was rejected by the church. And I'll tell you why. Because of a religious system that misinterpreted Scripture and misapplied the spirit of the law. This woman was seen and or considered ceremoniously unclean and could not even go to church. The place that she should be able to go to, be, to receive help, not church isn't God, church introduces you to God. You experience the presence of God at church. But the place that she should be able to go, she couldn't go. For 12 years, she did not attend one church service because she was declared unclean, just like the leper that we talked about. She was sick. She was hurting. She felt shame. And she lived with tormenting fear. Church, we need to understand that Fear and shame work together. When fear arises, shame wants to melt itself into your thought processes. Many churches today feel shame. Pastor, why do you say that? It's because they pray for the sick and no one gets healed. Or people don't get healed and so they begin to live a life of, they don't pray for the sick. Few churches really pray for the sick like we do. Matter of fact, we get people that point their finger at us and say we're too religious because we pray for the sick. People feel uncomfortable because they go up for prayer and they don't receive what they prayed for. And so they feel shame, and they run, and they don't attend church. They even choose not to go to church 
because they constantly are facing the same thing. But let me tell you, it's not the church's fault. This is God's church. And even though it's God's church, God's church, because you got people, God's church isn't perfect. But God says, do not forsake the assembling together of believers. But even how the enemy works, because God has literally created an atmosphere and a church system, a godly system, one that represents who Christ is in the church for us to believe, for us to walk in faith, for us to be the people of God that God has called us to be. And we have to charge through just like this hem woman and begin to experience the presence and the touch of Almighty in our lives. So the first two emotions mankind ever felt when sin entered into this world was fear and shame. Adam and Eve were full of fear and full of shame after sin. This woman was too. She was afraid before she touched Jesus' hem. She was afraid while she was touching the hem of his garment, and she was afraid after she touched him. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. But here's the good thing about what she felt regarding fear. I know how she overcame her fear. See, in the midst of fear, in the midst of the feeling that you have in your life, in the midst of the stuff that's been told to you, the religious jargon, the the, the literal evil stuff that sometimes religion even says and brainwashes people with. As I want to tell you, in the midst of all of that, you can come before God and receive from him. Jesus didn't say, nope, 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 you can't get a thing from me until you come in front of me and you have faith. But that's the way we look at God. There's something wrong because I'm not receiving from God. But here it is. This hem woman battled her fear and acted on faith in the midst of her fear. I know I'm, I'm, I'm just chewing a little bit at, at um, some doctrinal beliefs that is man-made but it is possible to have fear and faith at the same time. It is possible to be in the midst of the hardest time of your life emotionally in every area and have great faith. But how many people stop because they think they can't receive from God because they feel what they feel? As you grow in the Lord, as you get in the word of God, as faith begins to grow, it changes that fear. It changes that shame. And you begin to confess. You begin to think differently because you've renewed your mind to the word of God. But right now, some of you in this house have in your mind 
things that are opposite of the word of God. And it's not because you're bad. It's not because you don't believe in God. It's because life has dealt you dirty. And right now, you are living in fear and trying to be faith. Can you imagine 12 years? Welcome to church. Welcome. No, you can't come in here. You see, church really doesn't do that. They, were, they thought they were spiritual. But what the enemy does, he brings lies into you and he tells you church doesn't accept you because of what the thoughts, the fear, and the shame that is in the midst of you. Are you with me today? The difference is that faith is taking action. Faith without works is dead. Fear wants you not to take action or to do anything. Fear wants you to wait, not let patience have her perfect work, that you may want or lack nothing. Fear wants you to wait. Well, whatever God wants, God's already told us what he wants, and he never changes. You've tried everything, so why would you think touching Jesus' clothes would make you well? Why go to church? Hear the same thing all the time. Believe in God. God loves you. Why go to church? Because it doesn't work. Because fear and shame is dealing you dirty, and you're listening to it. You literally begin to question God's will. Well, I know the word. I know Pastor Dan gets up there and he says the scripture and he says the Greek and he brings a little Hebrew in and I know he's saying the right things, but you know, I don't know if that's really God's will for me. Fear and shame is dealing you dirty. All I got to say, at least this woman grabbed the hem. And there are people who are the most amazing gifted people who won't even grab the hem of God because fear and shame rules them. About faith, Dr. Tony Evans says this, faith is believing something is so even when it isn't so, so it will be so because God said so. Can I say that again? Because a lot of us are in the midst of this. Faith is believing something is so, even when it isn't so, so it will be so, because God said so. So let me encourage you, if you're going through something and have been in fear, you can still have faith. You can still act on the truth of who God is and or what the Bible says. See, when we truly understand who God is and we trust in who God is, then whatever the emotion or feeling that we have right now does not rule us because the character of God rules us. Even though everything is opposite of what God's character is in my life, I know God will do this thing because that's who God is. 
Think about what this woman does. Just think fear and shame. She waits for a crowd around Jesus so she won't be noticed. She, you know, literally because she doesn't want to explain to everyone what her disease was. She's gone after doctor, doctor. How can I help you, ma'am? Well, this is what's happening. How long has that been? Seven years. How long has that been? Eight years. That'll be $50, please. That'll be $1,000, please. Thank you, thank you. Just go ahead and do this. <clears throat> take this pill, take this shot, go home, and everything will be better. Come back in three weeks, and you can give me another 1000 So she's tired of explaining things. She's tired of going and saying the same thing. So she waits when no one is looking and comes from behind and barely touches the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, as I'm explaining this, I, I, I want you to understand something happened in the midst of her fear and the midst of her shame. Something began to churn in her thinking. Something began, faith began to arise in her. But hold on a second. But in this story, she does this because we're thinking that she's full of fear and shame. And she just, <laughs> Jesus says, wait, who touched me? And of course, the disciples. <sighs> I'm hungry. Let's go to Burger King. Who was it? Guys, who was it that touched me? See, because she was trying not to be noticed. So you know what? I know. Jesus, she didn't want to be noticed, but Jesus, God's insensitive. She, he's going to make a story out of her. She didn't want anybody to know. She's embarrassed. She's, she's full of shame because of what's going on. She can't go to church. She probably has no friends. Her best friends are her doctors. Scripture tells us God knows us before the foundation of the world. He's the closest friend you could ever have. In this story, it seems like Jesus makes her come forward and confess. See, there's something must have been wrong with this woman. Twelve years... Let me remind you, anytime you read something about God that you don't understand, let me say that again, anytime you read something about God that you don't understand, it's because you don't understand. But God wants you to understand him. He wants you to understand his character, why he does the things that he does. It's not because there's something bad about God, because God is good. He's the only good. It's that you don't understand. Are there things that you're thinking that you say, well, maybe God is not God's will. When God says it in the word of God that it is his will, for us to even think it's not God's will, then we're saying that God's a liar. So at first glance, it seems like this ogre God, Jesus, embarrasses this woman, making her confess again her problem, menstrual problem, in front of everybody. He wasn't making her confess, church. He was making her testify of her healing because there's something else that God wants to do. God wants to do greater things in your life.
than you could ever ask or think. When you come down and you ask God uh, for healing, I want to tell you, God has more for you than just your healing. God wants more for you than just your healing. And, and if only God has more. So you know what Jesus does? Peter, give me the microphone. Honey, come over here. What is your name? And what were you healed from? The evangelist. No, no, no. I'm not making fun of that. Because I want to tell you, God does miraculous things with the evangelist that he appoints. But listen closely. And I want you to hear this. I had you stand. I had you pray. I had you uh, speak some things. Jesus was taking away forever the shame of this woman. Let me tell you the very reason why that happened. I would suggest, and I think a lot of you would believe this, but I can't prove it except many times in the Bible it says that all were healed. Amen? When Jesus had a a convention or something. He had a conference. He had a healing conference. And the Bible says that all were healed. Miracles happened. All were healed. So my suggestion to you is that possibly there are a few other people that just touched Jesus. But there was something with this woman that Jesus knew that she needed more. That, that God, his character, is he not just wants to bring healing, but he wants to get a thorough revelation to the woman so that the rest of her life, she doesn't have to live with her past. A prophetic statement of what Jesus did on the cross. So Jesus was taking away forever the shame of this woman. She had been hiding with her shame. She didn't go to church. She probably didn't go to any home Bible studies because she was, quote, unclean. But Jesus just didn't want to heal her physically, but wanted to heal her emotionally too. Jesus was saying this, come on, don't you ever be ashamed anymore. Tell everyone what God did for you so that everyone around you cannot point their finger at you and say, look what you did. Look what you had in your past. But here's the reality. It's just not really the church. It's a evil, satanic, devil, Satan himself, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to put it in this place. We need to stop fighting with each other. We need to stop fighting with each other and their doctrines. We just need to bottom line understand who God is. And if someone misinterprets God, someone misinterprets Scripture, they, do, they misinterpret it, but you walk in the truth of what you know in the Word. Amen? Let me say this. Scripture tells us God sees in secret, and he does. He sees every thought. He, see, he, he understands sin. He also sees through your hurt. 
He sees your secret faith. He sees your, he sees your faith. He sees what you're believing for. But there needs to come to a time where we understand when we see who God is, we start bragging on who God is and who we think he's not, he's not because of our guilt, our fear, and our shame. You see, God sees when a father comes home late at night because he's worked 16, 18 hours and his kids are already in bed, he goes in and quietly prays for them. God sees that. Even though his wife and maybe older sibling or, or, or daughter or son is angry at him because he's always gone working. But God sees that when he secretly goes in and he prays for those kids that are already asleep. God sees a mother that goes into a restroom to cry because of a wayward child. And then she redoes her makeup and then she goes out and starts cooking or, or talking or, or helping the other children. He sees that faith. He sees a young person who says no to peer pressure and stands in faith and he rewards that young person openly. Jesus saw this woman in secret and rewarded her openly. There are people that literally looked at her and said, there's something evil about her because she can't be healed. So Jesus made sure that those people in the throng, in the crowd, he said, look, what did God do for you? <laughs> So before, she was way down here in people's thoughts. And now the truth came out, and they see her the way God sees her. When we begin, in the midst of fear and shame, begin to buy faith in, in spite of what people do, you know, no matter what people say, no matter how people have acted, the bottom line, when you begin to walk in faith in your life and stop looking at what everyone, being the victim and all the different things, and you start walking in faith, God will reward you openly. He will bless you. He will honor you openly. Because why? Because you did something special like touched his hand? No, because God is a warder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the God that you and I serve. Again, Jesus saw this woman in secret and rewarded her openly. Let's look at the second thing we can learn from her. We have to build faith. We not only have to battle fear, but we have to build faith. So the question is, well, how do you build faith? And again, as you, you hear, everybody up here, from our worship songs to uh, Pastor Dan, Terry, everyone was talking about how to build faith. So we're going to talk about the word, but how do you do that? Here it is. She did it. Let me just tell you, this is what she did. Talk to yourself about God. See, the same story in Matthew tells us, Matthew 9, 21, Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, says, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. She was living in fear thoughts. 
So she starts talking to herself, recognizing that she's been through Hades on earth. She's been through 12 years of sickness. She's tired, probably has an iron deficiency, all the things that we understand. She is exhausted, but she begins to, th- to speak to herself about who Jesus was. Jesus is God. Wait, this is the Messiah. This is God. He walks on water. He raises the dead. <laughs> he can heal me if I just touch him. See, that's how you begin to build faith. The greatest faith is when now you begin to talk to yourself about God and you begin quoting Scripture. You begin confessing the Word. This is what the Word of God says. I know this is what's going on. I'm not sticking my head in the mud because all this stuff's going on in my life. I've made mistakes. I've said wrong things. I've done this. But bottom line, God's forgiveness is there because the Scripture says This, and God will receive me. He will forgive me. He will cast my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. I will walk as a son of God. Amen. I will be who God created me to be in his image and his likeness. He can heal me if I just touch him. Listen closely. She didn't talk herself into a miracle. If I just say it enough, God will do it. If I just go up enough and get anointed, God will do it. She didn't talk herself into a miracle. She talked herself into faith, which brought the miracle. I want you to hear this, church. She talked herself into faith because she probably has heard from every doctor, from every religious person, unclean, take this pill, you'll be well. What'd you do wrong? She heard her own thoughts. What did I do wrong, God, that you won't? How come? I'll go somewhere else. I'll get a new job. I'll get a new spouse. I'm gonna run away. Some of you older people, take me away, Calgon. Another way of building faith, faith, you talk yourself into it, you begin to proclaim God's word of who he is, his character, because you know his character. He is a healer. Is the word of God. Get in the word. So here it is. If you ask me, how can I have faith to be healed? I would tell you, or my response to you would be this. It's the exact same way you got saved or had faith to be saved. But, but being saved, I just believed in my heart, confessed with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and I'm saved. Hmm. I believe in my heart, 
I'm living with, with fear. I'm living with shame. I'm living with my past, the stuff that's gone on. I have to face consequence of my decisions, of my past. And sometimes consequences go a long, t- long time. Amen. We're talking with relationships. You know, it just, it just amazes me sometimes when I work with, with, with couples. And the husband comes in and says, I don't know why my wife is always mad at me. And I ask her, well, why are you always mad at him? Well, this past year, he's had two affairs. And I look over at him, and I said, and you're wondering why she's upset with you? I'm upset with you. (laughs) Well, but I ask forgiveness. I understand that. But what we have to do is we have to get to a place of realizing is that sometimes there's consequence of our actions. And you can, you can name it in everything that we do. Some, you're getting quiet on me, so come on. And so what do you do? You believe in your heart to the man. You believe in your heart that you love this woman that's sitting next to you. Do you love this woman? I tell her, don't I go to work? Yeah, but you went to someone else's house. Hello? Okay, so what do you do? You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that your wife is the only wife you'll ever have. And you keep saying that, you keep living that. And you don't go into another woman's house. Amen. And guess what? After a while, this woman, God will heal her. But don't you expect, understand what I'm saying. But we're talking about God here. We're talking about someone that immediately can change things around. Well, let let me show you this. As you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ took stripes upon his back, you shall be healed. You need to believe that just as you are saved. But pastor, I I, I still have the sickness in my body. I know. You also have stuff in your life and your actions you still do that you shouldn't do but you're saved. So does that mean you're not saved if you still do that? You see what I'm saying? How, how we have totally removed healing out of our life because of what we've seen or what we feel. And I'm saying to you, Jesus Christ not only went to the cross for your salvation, he went to the cross for your healing. How you receive it is the same way, by faith. Confess who he is. He's your healer. You know, the Bible puts many verses together where salvation and healing are in the same verse because it takes the same faith to get saved as it does to be healed. So let me show you some scriptures. There's a lot of them, but let me just show you a few. Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, 
O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, that's scripture you could use if you forget to pray for your food. Anyways, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Psalm 103 lists six benefits, but I'm going to give you two of the six. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. Same verse, same Bible, who heals all your diseases. God puts in one verse, one thing for today, and another that passed away many years ago. No, healing is for today as salvation. Are you following the thought of the Scripture? It's not my thought. It's, it's the Bible. It's God. There's a whole bunch of Scriptures, but don't forget any of his benefits. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Let me prove to you grief is the word sickness. Matthew quotes this verse and uses the word sickness for griefs. Matthew uses the word for sorrows as infirmities. Isaiah 53, verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Salvation and healing in the same verse. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Quote Psalm 103. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I'm not going to argue with people. There are times, you know, at the club, anywhere in my office, people want to argue. I'm not going to try to uh, intellectually win you over. But I want the spirit to quicken you. If the Bible says it, you need to believe it. Amen. If the Bible says it, you need to believe it. So if you believe Jesus bore your sins, you must believe he bore your sicknesses. Salvation and healing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah says, are, looks forward to the cross, are healed. Peter says, were, Peter looks back to the cross, you were healed. Don't let Jesus take his beating in vain, church. Let's go back to our story. Jesus said, woman, be healed of your affliction. Did you know the word affliction the word means scourging, like Christ was scourged. Jesus said to her, this is what he was doing, removing her shame. Jesus said to her, you don't have to be afflicted anymore because I'm about to be scourged for you. Be healed. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So we have to battle fear in our life. We have to build faith. And the third thing we learn is we have to be persistent. This woman went to every doctor. This woman spent all her money. She probably took every remedy, homemade remedy. How many of you 
in the Hispanic Mexican culture, have family members, grandparents, you know, take this. This will take care of everything. Whiskey doesn't take care of everything, folks. No. <laughs> well, maybe some things, but. <laughs> Did you know even the rabbis developed uh, cures of the day? Rabbi Yohanan had eight remedies, and then he would say, uh, if one doesn't work, then do the other. Let's just try it. But we need to think good about doctors. We need to thank God for doctors and our nurses and all involved. But you need to be just as persistent in finding a spiritual cure as you do with medicine. We have to get to a place that we realize that Jesus Christ is not only Lord of our life, he is our great physician. Our God is our healer. Sickness and disease was not God's plan. Sin brought it in. But Jesus came and took care of our sin, and he took care of our sickness. And we have to get to that place, no matter what we've experienced, no matter what has taken place, no matter how long you are facing what you're facing, you need to be persistent. And begin to quote the word to the Lord. Begin to say to yourself, not to a hundred other people, agree with me. Now, agreement is good. I have people I talk to right away. This, this, this. Can you agree with me? But I want to tell you, I need to constantly talk to myself. Some of you say you might need a psychologist then. But I need to talk to myself, but who God really is. And again, let me just say this to you, and we're going to close. It's if your concept of God is wrong, if your concept of God and forgiveness of sins is that he's this ogre and he's going to beat you up and all the different things, then you're not going to, you're going to talk to yourself evil. How many times have people literally spoken death to their own lives? She could have said, look at all those people, that crazy man over there. What was his name? Jesus. Yeah, right. Right, look at the church people are just all happy with him. You know, Church, you push me away. He'd probably do the same thing. The heck with him. And walked away and continued to walk in her sickness because she listened to her shame. She listened to the fear that is just wanting to climb all over her. Church scripture says we are not given a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Isn't that money power, love? Isn't that amazing? Love. Why, why would you put love in there? Because love is just love. Love is literally 
you're not going to allow any person, anything to break you away from believing who God is. And because of that, you're going to even love the evil person. And you're not going to receive hurt and offense, become defensive. You're going to walk in love in the midst of the idiot. Just being straight with you. How many of you know that there are idiots around our lives? Yeah, there are. <gasps> Pastor, oh, you got to grow in love. They're, they're idiots, but they can change. And if I love them, that would, be, that would help them change. Amen? <laughs> Don't give up. Don't you ever, ever give up. Battle fear, build faith, and be persistent. Go after your God because he's real. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.